92.6 FM, Radio Verulam. The Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. And welcome to this edition of The Parent Show on Radio Verlum 92.6 FM. I'm Cathy Weston. And I'm Steve Simpson. And welcome to all our listeners who are tuning in from half-term holiday hell, where you're probably fed up with your kids and you're absolutely desperate for some entertainment on there. I certainly have been in half-term purgatory with my two. How have you been getting on, Steve? Well, I've only got one living at home, so it's a lot easier. And, uh, yeah, we've we've had a busy time. We, we took a little trip away. And, Lovely. And then today we had... Uh, the little fella at a, a television day. He was learning to perform in front of cameras and auto cue and what? put on a little show and how the news works and everything. Yeah, so he's uh, he's chilled about that. He's very really? good. So yeah. So you've been doing some very interesting things. We've been revising in our house, which is well, hmm. yeah boring but never mind Uh, so tonight we're talking about transition moving between primary and secondary school which is really really important to address this time of year isn't it steve it is and and i think as parents i'm going to say me as an older person time has diminished what a big impact that actually was at the time now looking back at it it was just something that happened and and it, it, it went through but as i think about it I can remember little things now which which at the time were really quite big things and I think that our uh, children and, and their friends are probably more worried about this than we think they are. And it's such a big issue you know, it has a name and it's called transition and it has to be carefully managed because children need to feel as educators know and parents know secure in a new setting. Most of us don't like change and this is really about working out strategies and approaches that will really help our children thrive in their new settings. And this is a huge change. I mean they're leaving behind familiarity of teachers, classrooms, smells, friends, routines and everything that they're going to do is is new and it must be daunting. It really is. Yeah absolutely. I mean can you remember your first day of secondary school? I I can. Actually by some miracle I can. (laughs) (laughs) I remember um, we had to get a bus, which seemed like it was travelling to Mars, but it was actually only the next town. Immediately I felt displaced because I was going to a different town. And when we arrived, the whole year group, of which there must have been, like, I don't know, 150 people uh, there, we were all ushered into the sports hall, and we were divided into the classes that we would spend the next five years in based on how far we could swim. What? <laughs> we had to work out <laughs> how far we could swim and form little groups of people who could swim at the same They were trying not to stream by um, intellectual ability, yeah, yeah, and so they yeah. picked on this other thing, which is swimming, and, and completely disorganised. amazing. So I'm trying to avoid that pun of saying they really put you out of your depth. Thank they you. Threw me if in they had at a the little simple noise, <laughs> no, yeah, they threw you in the deep end, literally. That is the most hilarious sort of induction process I've ever heard of. Well, I, I can't imagine that these days you'd turn up at school on the first day and they haven't worked out which class you're going to go yeah. to. And there they did it on the fly. It was so so somewhere in your secondary school was a class of children who literally couldn't swim. They must have been grouped together. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh dear. Well, I went to convent school in Belfast. Uh-huh. And the first day, as you can imagine, it involved a lot of um, strict rules given out by the nuns. Were there many boys at the school? There then? were none, actually. <laughs> so, that, you know, uh, so that was interesting. And I remember actually not even getting to the door of the school and mm. encountering quite a mean girl saying mean things. And that is something that parents worry about a lot. How are our children going to get on with other children? Are they going to be bullied? Are they going to meet nice people? What happens, uh, like, like in my case, you go, we don't really know anyone. Mm. Um, how do you feel about, you know, if your son was going to a school, we didn't know anyone as opposed to him going where he knew people, which would you sort of prefer? I, I, I think in the main, I would prefer he was going to a school where he 
he knew people. There is an argument which says if you've done your growing up a little bit late, it's actually quite good to get a clean break so nobody knows the mistakes you made. In the <laughs> yeah, clean slate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, 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 yeah. you start again. But, um, but in, in the main, I, I think uh, I would prefer my children to go to schools with, uh, with people who they had some relationship with, that they had grown up with. But sometimes when they go to school, they actually they sort of leave those mates behind and they, they form friendships with completely different people. So mm. it's a kind of a security blanket at the beginning, isn't it? Well, we, we do talk about it as, as a, a challenge and as an issue, but it is a great opportunity as well. I mean, we, we have to remember it, it, it's a school with many more people in. It's going to open up opportunities for new friendships, new experiences, new skills. But... It's natural for, for children, particularly at that age, to be thinking about the things that might go wrong rather than the yeah. things that are, are going to go right. Um, and we're going to discuss all of those things. with. We've got two fantastic experts this evening joining us. One of them is Dr. Emma Kell, and she's going to be joining us in a little moment. Her daughter has just completed Year 7, so she's fresh from the parenting experience. But also, she was head of English at a secondary school in North London and uh, has has authored a book on surviving secondary school. And later in the show, uh, Steve, who have we got? Dr. Anna Colton. Yes, that's right. And she's Coulton. an adolescent and childhood psychologist. So we're going to get the full whack of information. <laughs> Education tonight. and psychology. That's one right. Show. That's right. So she's going to talk to us about how to encourage independence, confidence, you know, and what to do maybe if transition doesn't go well. We're talking about transition this evening, moving on up, going to big school. What other euphemisms can we think? We've said going in at the deep end. Going in the deep uh, end. Literally, in your case. Literally, almost literally. Yeah, yeah. So, and we're going to be speaking to uh, Dr. Emma Kell now, who's a parent, teacher, doctor of education, and author of How to Survive Teaching. How are you, Emma? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? We're very well. We're, We're great, thank you. We're looking forward to your tips and advice. Good, good. Looking forward to sharing. And it's interesting, isn't it? What month is this? This is nearly June, uh, but but this is the beginning of the, you know, the, t- the time is building up to September, and this is the time where parents really want some great advice, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the stats are done now, aren't they? So all of that concern is over. The build-up to the leaving do and the big party for the end of year six and the church services and the ceremonies and the tears, that's all going on now as well. And it's all becoming very real. Yeah, and obviously there's Sports Day. That's very important in our house. There's Sports Day and then the end, the beginning of the summer. And I think in September, nearly 800,000 children will be starting secondary school. That's right. That's right. It's a huge figure, isn't it? Yeah. And so, Emma, we want to talk to you a little bit about the kind of, you know, why do we need to know about transition? I'm certainly, Steve, our parents wouldn't have any advice on how to help manage our transition. I don't think they barely recognised that I changed school, to be honest, in those days. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's a very important topic now, Emma. Why is that the case? I think, yes, it is. It's huge. And I went through it just last year. So my daughter's in year seven now, and I'm happy to say she's survived so far and thrived, I dare to say as well. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is huge, and, and despite being a teacher for 21 years, and so working with 21 sets of Year 7s and seeing them all survive and thrive, I, I, I was really anxious as well. And I think there, there are a number of reasons, aren't there? I mean, I think as parents these days, we are a lot more conscious of the choices we make and how we compare with other people, and are we doing the right thing for our child at each stage? Um, there's also the fact that, of course, the parents' timeline is completely different, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I was, I was potty training her last week. Um, <laughs> how I can possibly be old enough to have a child at secondary school now is unimaginable. Um, I think the big thing is that it's another milestone, especially if it's your eldest child going up. It, it's a step into the complete unknown from this world of knowing everything. You know, the WhatsApp primary school group where you can check what the fancy dress day is and check with someone how much you should have paid for the trip last week and there's always someone at the school gates to talk to to moving into this much bigger much more anonymous world where you don't know your child's friends you don't know the parents of your child's friends you don't know their teachers um and and that's huge Uh, and i think the other thing is that um quite you know reasonably understandably there's been a lot of emphasis on young people and mental health in the media some really alarming statistics. So I think for a lot of parents, putting that child from that 
know, another metaphor, I know the, the big fish in the small pond into the big sharky sea, um, it is really scary. And, and we hear about, you know, eating disorders and self-harm and anxiety disorders and, and, and throwing your child into that, I think is, is very scary. So but I think, but uh, Emma, what you're making me consider, I suppose, I don't know if you were thinking this at the same time, Steve, but really there's a psychological transition for parents. Absolutely. So, well, we've been thinking about dwelling mm. on the on the changes for children, but actually there's a sense of maybe loss and perhaps a little bereavement that your child is growing up and is, is, is joining that bigger pool, which, you know, they will see through adolescence or the bulk of it in that setting so that's a big step for us isn't it mm, oh, oh it's, it's huge and, and they i mean i don't know about other parents but our daughter pretty much went from from you know mummy um, and daddy approval loving unicorns jumping around on the trampoline to uh, how was your day fine overnight and and it, and it really is that that sense that on the surface at least it can feel as if they don't really need you anymore um but of course, the best advice ever that I received is that actually they need you even more. Um, they just show it differently. But, um, but, but yes, it, it is. It's huge. And that, uh, that change that you're just alluding to there as, as the children move into teenagehood, uh, that, that's a natural part of, of the, the psychological development of, of, of a child. Whereas the transition from school to a, a much bigger school is, is is kind of artificial it's something which we in, inflict upon them uh, and that must lead to a, a different set of emotions both in the child and in the in the parent yes absolutely and we're inflicting it upon them i suppose you could argue at a stage where they're particularly vulnerable they're neither child nor adult mm -hmm. you know they I, I i don't know about other people with kids the same age but you know one minute they are still playing imaginary games and hide and seek and the next minute they're watching YouTube videos with, with some quite dubious, quite adult references in them, and, you, and, and they're in this sort of transition zone. And yeah, you're right, it's this, this quite literal um, upheaval from a quite small, safe, secluded environment in which they knew everybody, and they were very much the oldest and the most responsible, to somewhere where there are children twice, three times the size of them. Mm. And, and so your your work recently, you've changed the focus of it, haven't you? And you now um, are focusing on helping young people survive and thrive at secondary school. Yes. What, um, what, what triggered that change in focus for you? Well, there was a very specific moment. So, so I've been teaching for a long time and I wrote a book for teachers to support teachers in surviving and thriving schools. Um, and my biggest fans, when the books were published, whatever you say about teenagers and reading, were my students. Uh, they were absolutely amazing, remarkably excited about the fact that their teacher had published a book. So um, I had a big book party, as we called it, a book launch party at my school. And my students came. Uh, and I, I remember uh, doing my thank yous with my proud dad and my proud mum there and looking at these students and thinking, actually, my next book's for you because you're the most important people in this building. Uh, you, know, you, you, you know, I'd really like to write a book for you or to do some research, a project to support you directly with surviving and thriving at school. So it was very much one of those epiphany moments when I thought, no, this, 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 this project has to be for the young people. Uh, and it's been really exciting. I've been uh, surveying young people between 11 and 18 and their parents um, and looking right through from year seven up to year 13 uh, some of the issues that they're facing and 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 it's very humbling and very emma humbling. emma what have those issues been on the young person's side because i think i've read in the literature that young people tend to worry in general about things like navigating around the school the geography of the school how much homework they're going to get what the food's going to be like how they're going to be disciplined yeah. is that what was echoed in your survey work absolutely i mean I, I i love teenagers i love working with young people and you get they can be remarkably wise so I found that there are lots and lots of very small things, or apparently small to us, but huge to them that they worry about. And then there were some much bigger things. But the small things, one of the things that came up was toilets. Um, they really, really worry about toilets. And that was something that my daughter was worried about before she started. And I actually did some digging around and a bit more research around school toilets. And it's a huge issue. Um, a lot of schools have moved um, to um, unisex toilets, for example, the importance of having toilets in a, in, a, in a bright public space where no one can hide, no one can be bullied and so on. So toilets was a huge one. Food, buying food, um, what kind of food there would be, going from their very simple primary school menus to actually having a choice, uh, coach travel, all of those things. Um, but also when you actually ask young people what they worry about in general, 
um, I actually just went through my data, and a lot of year sevens are saying, saying things like money. Will I have enough money? Um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, will I be able to afford the PE kit? Will I be able to afford the school trip? Wow. Can I ask my parents for that yeah. kind of money? And actually, that data reflects the national data, which I was looking at recently, um, collected by the NHS. And, and they were saying that children, especially in year six, seven, are really worried about family life. They're actually not worried about SATs. That's farther, lower down the, you know, the chain of worries. And yeah. they're worried about family life and relationships. Oh, absolutely. And this is an age at which children miss nothing. Yeah, they really do. You know, we, we fool ourselves if we think an 11-year-old misses anything that's going on. And when I said the data was humbling, I mean, some of the things that these children are dealing with at home, from being young carers through to dealing with their own eating disorders or the special needs of a sibling, you know, these, or sudden bereavement, these children really are remarkably, um, I don't always like this word, but you know, resilient in terms of what they're dealing with. And, and we, whilst we're worrying about the SATs and the school choice and the exam results, actually these children are often dealing with things which are much bigger and emma if you're a teacher listening what are the best things you can do to to support the 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 next cohort of students entering the school if you're a teacher listening well what i think actually having been inspired by the the bbc bite-sized site myself actually is um students in general of this age don't listen to grown-ups you know in, in general i'd say you know i can sit and talk to my daughter about my primaries, my, my transition to secondary, but I'm just a bit embarrassing and very old. Um, what the people they do listen to are their peers. So um, the more I think about it, the more I think, you know, the, the peer-to-peer support, both once they start secondary school and beforehand, actually having older students in year eight, year nine, uh, even up to year 11, going into the primaries and saying, look, look, here I am, I survived. This is, this is what I went through. This is how I dealt with it. I think that is the key. Um, I know that schools are doing some remarkable things around summer camps and so on before the term begins. Those can be great, but we are aware that school fundings are being cut. That isn't always possible. Um, um, The other thing my daughter found particularly powerful was actually having a visit to the school in advance, Mm. a chance to go around with the map, just year seven there, no other big students and get over that fear of getting lost. But Emma, you know on that point, I often think, if I was a head teacher, Steve, if you were a head teacher, what would you do to facilitate the ease at which a child is able to navigate the school? You love technology, I love technology. It must be so easy to create a a oh, 3D, you know. There's all sorts of technological ways which we could, uh, we, we could improve that. Um, just apps with maps on... RFID technology, so you can see where everybody is within the school. I mean, it, it's it's uh, yeah, it's like there must be a better way than sort of using so much time resource mm. from by school staff. You know, even a little drone going through the school and showing pupils from home. You know, like state agents use that kind of technology so that mm. children are comfortable, maybe you know, with with the physical surroundings. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, two things there. One, we're in danger of stumbling into the mobile phones in schools debate. Um, but I, <laughs> I don't think they're a bad thing, by the way. Um, but the other thing is, are we projecting a bit? Because actually most children find their way around very, very quickly. Well, but when I've started in a new school as a teacher, I can get six months into the year and I still can't find my way around to every classroom. <laughs> so actually, <laughs> I, I s- um, it's a fear that, in my experience, the vast majority of students get over very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah I, I think you... I mean, I was looking at the, the, the bite-sized site and uh, it seemed that one of the biggest issues um, that was was highlighted on there was the, the issue of friendship. And mm-hmm. rather than marrying somebody up to some technology to help them navigate the school, having a buddy or somebody who's allocated to them to you know, show them the ropes would strike me as a much more sensible way of... Um, Absolutely. Of Absolutely. And any kind of buddy system, I swear by buddy systems, as students coming in new to a school at any stage of the year... They are absolutely brilliant. And, and often those buddies themselves will have been through challenges and actually having a chance to give something back. So do, do you think, Emma, that um, the transition to the, the secondary school, that some sort of emotional trauma is inevitable with that transition? Or, or is it possible to, for parent and school and pupil to work together to, uh, to, to avoid any major issues happening? I certainly think, you know, that, that, it, that, that in the vast majority of cases, this isn't something that should result in any psychological trauma. 
obviously every child is different and and if you look at a group of year sevens together you'll have some of them who are five foot eight and in full throes of adolescence and some of them who would pass to the age of about seven um so every child is different but i think a well-organized transition on the part of the school um and many schools have specialist year seven transition teams who who, who work on that year after year after year um, that's absolutely essential. But also the whole idea that as parents, we, we, you know, we alluded to this earlier, you know, we do tend to worry a little bit more than previous generations perhaps and that we don't project our own fears onto, us, onto our children onto our young people. And Emma, you mentioned mobile phones. I have to say, many of the issues that you mentioned earlier on, you know, the parental worry that they're getting a coach for the first time, that suddenly they're very independent, they might be letting themselves in to the house at the end of the school day. Surely parents exacerbate an already quite tense situation by, by often giving them a mobile phone as soon as they get into secondary school, which is another kind of layer of complexity, isn't it? It is a layer of complexity. I have to say that every year seven child I know has a mobile phone. Um, and, and rightly or wrongly, this seems to be, I know we're in a certain part of the world, quite a privileged part of the world, but this seems to be the world we're living in. And I know that as a parent, I actually now rely on my daughter's phone to be able to check that, as you say, she's let herself into the house okay, yeah. um, that, that, that you know, if, the, if the bus has been delayed and so on. But with those mobile phones, this is this is this really is a different world that we're living in now and um it's this whole idea that your child is constantly contactable um by pretty much anybody uh, pretty much anything um and and that's really quite daunting and quite scary and you hear some of these stories about you know these 11 year old girls quite innocently filming each other dancing at sleepover parties and these videos being shared um, across the school and, and, and this is huge and I think this is a question of us as parents really making sure that we are having those open honest conversations with our children um, you know the conversation about you know don't put it on the internet unless you have it painted on the front of your house all of those conversations and also that we've got some regulations in place at home where we are monitoring what they're looking at so we've got a, a lot of a lot of a lot of conversations to be had about friendships about learning about just all coming at the same time about you know, managing a mobile phone issues about digital it's daunting for parents there's a as, lot isn't there yeah, which is i mean steve you mentioned the bbc bite-sized resources how might they guide parents for example through some of those issues well i, I took a little look at this earlier on and emma i'm sure you know a great deal more about this than, than, than I do, but um, it, it seemed to um, play very much on the points that, um, that, uh, that you referred to before about children re responding to peers rather than to adults. So there's a lot of material on there um, from the experiences of a, of a typical child on a, a day uh, at school and, and so on, all um, targeted at children, at the YouTube generation, short, punchy videos. It's, uh, it, it, it seems to be aimed at engaging in a, in a different way to perhaps we would have done previously. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I must admit, I quite like the short, punchy videos. I find it amazingly easy to navigate as a parent myself. Um, and, and I quite like how colourful they are. I quite like the fact that it's, it's obviously very real, very authentic students. They're not, they're not sort of uh, acting it up for the camera. That's right. And there's a gorgeous um, video, a campaign. You know, the BBC have started this great campaign around transition starting secondary school. That's the kind of the, the tag. And I love the video where all the celebrities are giving people, uh, children advice. <laughs> I think one of them was Sarah Cox, the radio DJ, and she said, run! No, 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 don't run. Stay in school. <laughs> or Gary Not Lineker. In the corridors, at least. Yeah, it was such a great video because it reminds children that everybody's had a first day at secondary school and everybody's felt daunted at some point. Yes, exactly. And, and I think, you know, that although 11-year-olds, um, 12-year-olds won't always admit they need you, that, they, they, that idea that they do and just reminding them that they're really not alone and if they're absolutely terrified on that first day then so is everybody else and emma we want to talk about we've forgotten about the main purpose of school which is to learn mm. 
So we're, we're, we're sort of, you know, wading through all these other issues, but they're there to learn, mm. uh, which has sort of been forgotten sometimes. Um, as a teacher as, and as someone who has a child who's been through that first year of secondary, what's your advice to parents in terms of, you know, the best way to support their children with their academic work? Well, I think the thing to remember, and this comes across again and again in my experience in the classroom and through the research I've done with young people, um, is that actually the vast majority of children really want to do well. You know, I asked children to describe themselves using a selection of different adjectives, and the one that was used by far the most was ambitious. So children, we have to work from the principle. You have to, you have to believe this to be a teacher, but I do believe this, that, that children want to do well. Um, so I think that's the most important thing, first of all, and that children fear most of all being made to look stupid or being made to feel different to their peers in terms of learning. So every child wants to appear smart, and pretty much every child who answered my survey values smartness as a quality in others and, and in teachers. Um, so in terms of supporting them, I mean, I think the thing to remember is that the primary school curriculum, for all its flaws, is it, very thorough uh, and is excellent. And so it's, in lots of ways, it's actually, through this year seven, year eight process, it's reminding them of how much they know already. So um, I've got a younger child in year four, and, and she'll go through a piece of writing to check that she's included frontal adverbials and metaphors and similes. Now, that's exactly what I'm doing with my year 11s at the moment. So wow. I think it's worth reminding them that actually they've covered a lot of this already. Yes, they're doing it in more depth, in more breadth. They're covering more adult topics, more mature topics. But actually, that, 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 you know, if the secondary delivery has been good, and for the most part, I believe it is, um, they have covered a lot of it already. That's a really interesting point, that actually the first year, it's a bit like university, they go over stuff, don't they, mm. that you may have done in your A-level, mm. so it's not kind of unfamiliar. Yeah, it's a re-levelling for yeah. all the kids from Yeah, and the biggest danger for us as teachers is making sure that we are building on, on, the, on the primary school curriculum, because actually the danger is, and has been in the past in teaching, is that we dumb it down for year sevens, and we forget actually that they've known what an apostrophe was since they were seven and they've known how to use it, and they've had routines for using it. So actually, our challenge as secondary teachers is making sure we keep those really good habits they've got through primary. And, and so in that first year, uh, the, the range of subjects which a, a child will, will spend 35 minutes sessions um, learning about is, is huge, probably, compared to the, um, the, the, the curriculum they had at, uh, at, at primary school. So, you know, subjects which they've never... Um, had any experience with their switching from one subject to another is, is that does that add to the complexity of the transition the the, the range of um of, of different uh subjects i i think well one thing to bear in mind is that we forget how skilled our primary school teachers are because they do do design and technology in primary they do do history they do geography they do sports so actually these teachers have to be able to teach it all whereas at least at secondary we get to focus on our own areas but no i do see what you mean and it's that that feeling of going from um one classroom to another physically from one teacher to another with a very different learning style and from one subject to another and one of the biggest challenges for children can be seeing the link between all of those things and you know i'm in this classroom now and this teacher wants this and i know i did this somewhere in maths at some point but i can't make that connection so Yes, it's overwhelming, but at the same time, we, we have the mantra in our house, if you're, if you're in a classroom that you're not particularly fond of, then you only have to be there for another 35 minutes, then you get to go to a new one. So, <laughs> so, so there's pros and cons. Of that's both great, that's great. And Emma, you know, you've mentioned the campaign that the BBC are running. It's an amazing campaign if people are listening and they haven't seen it, the BBC Bite Size campaign. It's aimed at 11 and 12-year-olds, their teachers and their parents. Yes. And it's shining a light, I suppose, on, on, you know, it's on the practical advice and, and the emotional um, uh, side support that children need to take the stress out of taking that next big step. So thank you so much for joining us, Emma. No problem. And Pleasure. yeah, well done uh, to you. It sounds like your little girl's thriving in school and we can all learn something from your experience. Fascinating. Yes, thank <laughs> you very much. Emma. Yeah, thanks so much, Emma. Take care. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye. And that was Dr. Emma Kell. So you can follow her on Twitter because she's an amazing Twitter account and she's done lots of interesting things and is also um, in the process of writing another book. So she's, yeah, a person to watch, Steve.
I I think you're right. She's like 140,000 followers on on, uh, on Twitter. It's yeah. fantastic. That's always important, isn't it? She's um, yeah. She knows what she's talking about. She knows what she's talking about. And on to someone else who's uh, we're going to speak to in a moment who really knows what she's talking about as well is Dr. Anna Colton. So we're going to give Anna a ring after a short break and come back to you with lots of tips on how to encourage independence and confidence in children transitioning to secondary. Family life has its ups and downs, and at Neve Solicitors, we're here to help with all your legal matters. Whatever your circumstances, we know how to handle even the most delicate situations. Our experienced family law specialists offer friendly, sympathetic advice on everything from trust funds to property, from partnership breakdown to wills and probate. To arrange a free consultation, visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Welcome back to The Parent Show. We're talking all about transition this evening, moving on up, jumping from, what is it, Steve? The little Jumping in pond. at the deep end. Jumping in the deep end. Yeah. Little fish, big pond. We've done that one as <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and we've been to- speaking to Dr Emma Kell, who's a teacher and a parent earlier on, but now we're going to speak to Dr Anna Colton, who is an adolescent and childhood psychologist who's working with the BBC on their new school's transition campaign, and she is a firm believer in early intervention, particularly around mental health. So she's we're delighted to welcome you to the show, Anna. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Now, Anna, we want to, we've been listening to a little bit of what Dr. Kell mentioned, this kind of worry that parents may have around particularly their children feeling confident about going to school. Mm-hmm. Parents are also very worried about, you know, the threat of, um, you know, we hear about the prevalence of mental health disorders in school. So what is your very best advice to parents listening who have a child going to a secondary school in September? To prepare them really, really well. So equip them with the skills they need. And most of those skills for confidence are about knowing that they can navigate the first few weeks and days at secondary school so for example traveling there alone it's a it's a big step but a really important step so practice it over the holidays and then your child will be really confident doing it you might go with them on the first day but not every other day also for example be really excited with your kids about the transition because if as a parent you say oh i'm going to really miss you and it's such a big it's such a big move and you know it might be really difficult the kids would expect it's going to be really difficult totally and there's going to be some kind of bereavement (laughs) so let's talk about the work a little game the the worst things you can say to your child who's moving (laughs) up i'll start so you're going to big scary big school steve your turn uh don't worry no one will notice that spot on your face (laughs) (laughs) what about you anna you so much <laughs> yeah i'm gonna I'm, how am i gonna cope without you yeah yeah, yeah exactly instead and, what should parents be and you know saying? and the other one is you know just just be careful you might be bullied or mugged <gasps> no <laughs> let's not do that <laughs> yeah but, so but, you know but, but parents understandably they're worried they want to equip their kids but actually equipping them by sharing that worry is is not the right way Absolutely. So we have to watch our language, watch what we say, and perhaps even look optimistic on our faces and not sort of, you know, overrun with anxiety on the first day. Absolutely. Look excited. Be delighted. Because actually, if your child isn't transitioning to secondary school, something's gone really wrong. Yes. Yeah, that's true. You know? <laughs> so, Anna, I was looking at the bite-size um, uh, uh, materials earlier on today, and, and just on that point, one of the, uh, the, the, uh, the techniques which they suggested there was to focus on the positive things that will happen at the school uh, and to build enthusiasm around that, not worry about the things that might go wrong, um, but instead, what are your favourite things that you enjoy about the school? What are the things that you're looking forward to? That, that must be a very positive way. That's a great way. And, you know, that it, that it, asking those kind of questions opens a conversation up. And if, if your child comes back and then says, but I'm a bit worried I'm going to get lost, then you can say, do you know what, that's totally normal. And I'm sure that everybody starting is going to get lost, but that's what transition days are for. And teachers will be really sympathetic in the first half term or whatever it is. And so then you can have those conversations. But kids won't share the worries as easily if they know that you're really anxious. 
because right. they want to protect you. Right. So that get, that's the wrong way around. And parents are always worried about how to get their child to open up. Uh, exactly. But actually, if we just model positivity and optimism, they're more likely maybe to own up to feeling worried about something small. Sure. And But the other thing is, if we model just chatting through our day, so kind of, oh, do you know, I got stuck in the lift for 30 seconds and it was so... <laughs> So unnerving or, you know, the tube got stuck in the tunnel if you're London-based or oh, I got really fed up and I was tired. Nothing big, but just modelling, chatting about the day and overcoming various hurdles in the normal course of conversation teaches kids that that's normal. Well, it's the, not a big drama. Those are sort of the, you know, sort of chop-chop parenting. You know, we, we, we're just in, sort of modelling a positive uh, and optimistic approach. But when it comes to the fact that we can't ignore we're in the middle of something, you know, quite difficult in terms of facing up to the mental health statistics in secondary schools. Those are real yeah. facts. So yeah. how do you know, what can you say to parents who, who are really worried about what they're reading about, particularly in relation to girls' mental health through secondary school and self-esteem, which seems to, you know, get lower over the years as they grow through secondary school? Those are really worrying. And you know it, they have to be taken seriously they are really worrying and you're absolutely right they must be taken seriously what i would say is that, that dips in mood and fluctuation in mood are a totally normal part of adolescence because you know young 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 people girls and boys are going through a raft of transition and changes physiologically neurologically hormonally psychologically socially and so variations in mood is normal. However, the key is to notice when it goes on for longer than a couple of weeks and when it's sustained. And if you feel that that's happening, get in there at the beginning. Don't wait and say, well, let's see how it is next term, because then there's two months or a month where it could have become more entrenched. So wait a couple of weeks. What, what sort of things should uh, parents be looking for at that point? So the things to notice, if, if you notice your child is, is really quite different, so as a parent, you know them, even, you know, you know when the kind of the grunts in the morning are normal and just normal teenagers, you know, you've got a grumpy teenager, but you will notice if they look drawn or anxious or if they're really quiet, if the grunting stops and they just don't talk or if temper flares are every day or if there are more tears or, the, you know, you'll notice that or if they just lock themselves in their bedroom or if they don't want to go to school or if they stop their social life, so proper changes in behaviour. Um, they don't have to be massive changes, but, but some changes in behaviour that seem to be sustained or just a sense that they're not quite themselves. Parents are really good at knowing their kids. They pick it up and share concerns and try and encourage children to open up without lambasting them or interrogating them. It's, it's a difficult balance. And if, if, if you're really concerned, then you go and seek help. You either chat with school or your GP. It, it's much better to go to your GP and be told that all is well. That's a great doctor's mm -hmm. appointment. But the key message is not to let things sit. So be Don't quite observant sit. over the... Yeah. I mean, in your experience, Anna, um, often I think the children are reticent to share if they're having a bad time at school with parents because parents will so... You know, we all do it. We all jump in and we want to fix it. And actually, it puts children off sharing. Totally. Totally, it puts children off. But you can have a conversation where you go, look, I'm really worried. You just seem different or things don't seem as okay as they were or you seem low whatever it is you've noticed i'm not going to do anything unless you want me to yeah that's a very a nice phrase it? isn't it i'm not gonna yeah. do yeah we can just chat about it so you just preempt their fear which is jumping in or Lovely. shouting at school yeah. or whatever it is so you, way back at the beginning of uh, of our conversation anna you you said that there was some you listed some practical things of rehearsing the, the trip to um, school uh, for the first time and, and, and mm -hmm. making checklists and, and preparations and so on. Is, uh, is there a, a sort of a standard set of um, uh, items that a, a parent could look at to, to help prepare the child? Is there a, a, a tick list of things that the parent should do? Um, on the Bite Size School Transition website, we have compiled a list of the ways to help prepare your child and you could certainly go through that and make a tip list that's the most 
a comprehensive resource in a single place out there at the moment is that BBC Bite Size School Transitions page with oh, so lots of tips. That is the most comprehensive that you mm-hmm. have you've come across. Mm-hmm. And, and so h- tell us a little bit more about it, about the campaign. Who, who is it for and uh, wh- when does it run and how do so parents access it? So it launched 10 days ago now. It's, it's a brilliant campaign. BBC Learning, BBC Bite Size run some really lovely campaigns. And it's, it's, you know, we've done GCSE campaigns for the last few years, but this one is is realising how tricky and how fundamentally important that transition from primary to secondary can be and is actually, not can be, but is. Because if if kids transition well, it really sets them up for a successful secondary school six or seven year period. And that's a huge part of their life, especially through adolescence when there's so much change, as I mentioned earlier. If the transition goes wrong, and sometimes it does, and sometimes it's outside of our control because life just happens and it just does. But if that transition goes wrong and integrating into a new secondary is difficult, it does frequently lead to social and emotional problems. And then you are playing catch-up. And, and I'm a really firm believer that we only play catch-up or kind of try and treat a disorder after it's occurred if we really have to. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so on yeah. the whole... Let's set kids up for a really great transition. And then we have to treat many fewer mental health difficulties. And they have a much better time. Anna, for parents listening who may have a child with a special educational need, they can mm-hmm. often, you know, uh, be very anxious about the transition for different reasons or similar reasons. Uh, you know, what is your advice to them um, uh, in terms of how they can ensure that the school is listening, is responding and understanding a, a particular child's needs and that they can be confident that their child's needs will be, you know, um, addressed and understood sure. in the school setting? Well, that's a great question because, as you say, that, that's not uncommon. And it is really anxiety-provoking to, to, to go into new situations when your child has additional needs. So the most important things there are to speak to their primary school about what's been set up and how it works and to really think through the strategies that have worked and haven't worked and the, the, the um, support that's been in place that's been really beneficial. And then go and have a meeting at least determine in advance with the secondary school and maybe two or three meetings before your child starts so that the conversation isn't isn't in a rush both the school can have thought you can have thought you can have had the initial conversation you can then meet again two or three weeks later to discuss where the school is at with the issues what support they're able to offer how it will work and then just before your child starts you can have another meeting where your child can be involved as well if you want and you can all think through the plan and just finalize it together because preparation is is 95 percent of ensuring a successful experience and you've mentioned meetings, but also we've got the summer coming up, Anna. So there's sure. op- there, there must be opportunities within the summer to build our children's sense of excitement oh. about school and also practice maybe some practical oh, skills. absolutely. It's, it's a really fun time if you can embrace it as something enjoyable. You know, you can go start by going to a cafe, giving them some money they can, they can pay and then count the change if they haven't done that already. Set them up for the school canteen. Um, practice bus journeys start with you then maybe you can observe them and then they can go with a friend start with some social life as well so maybe they they start to hook up with people who are going to be in their year especially if they're going with friends from primary to secondary they can practice the journey together and that's really lovely ease parental anxiety i'm sure parental anxiety exactly um sending them to the corner shop to buy something that will also ease parental anxiety because they'll get used to it and as a parent you'll get used to them going off and doing something independent yeah tying a tie you oh goodness! Struggling with your tie on day one. <laughs> I have to say, on my first day of primary school, I noticed recently, 1976, that I had a uh, cigarette hole in my tie. So my father <laughs> must have bent down to tie it and burnt it. <laughs> These days, I'd be off to Brilliant. social services with that picture. Never mind. But uh, yeah. So uh, hopefully uh, everyone knows how to tie a tie before they go to school. Well, you see, I still can't tie a tie because I didn't have to. Yeah, so, that's um, it. Yeah, well, that gives us all encouragement. Absolutely. It's it's just anything that is different and new, practice it. Brilliant. And and then you just give them the skill set and they have it and they they feel secure and they feel uh, empowered. Empower your children, equip your children, 
and they will have a really, really successful, enjoyable journey. So those are practical skills. But Steve, we're as parents, we're worried about are they going to make friends? Are they going to be able to socialise? Are people going to like them? Are they going to get They're bullied? They're worried about that too. Yeah, they've got some really lovely friends, some nice boys and nice girls at their, at their uh, primary school. But we don't know what's going to happen when they go to their secondary. So we're anxious. And like we've been saying here, we're projecting that anxiety onto the kids. When are you going to make friends? Make Have you friends made any nice friends boys? yet? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and it's that balance, isn't it, by not making what I always call that freshers' week mistake, where you hook on to the nearest, most accessible person and then spend the rest of the time yes, going, oh, that yes. was a mistake, wasn't it? <laughs> Do you know like what? That, that is that. I thought I was the only one who thought that. I, <laughs> when you get stuck with someone on Freshers' exactly. Day, you, you don't want to make any friends at the Freshers' Day, do you? No friends. Never. Never. You don't want Freshers' Week <laughs> friends because you end up having to shed them. But it, it, <laughs> it's true. that balance, isn't it, between wanting some social interaction but not clinging on to someone just for the sake of it and i think it's important do you think it's important i do to have a social script so you give your child a line to say like hello i'm kathy and i'm from i went to such and such a school what school did you go to so that they actually understand how to make connections with people yeah really really great idea and and really highlighting to them their own positive strengths the things that they might take for granted about themselves that they can do which nobody else can do which makes them more interesting and uh and and people want to be friends with them exactly but not even that i i always say to children you know walk into the room with a smile because other people are drawn to people who look happy mm. now that you know? is a very good we could all learn even as adults yeah if you walk into a room and other adults are all looking very serious and stern it's much harder to go up to someone than if someone is smiling absolutely and, so, and you know, I- even that We've talked about all those different types of skills, but you've mentioned, you know, if things do go badly wrong and children do not are having a hideous time, they don't want to go back after a two to three week period, you know, and their parents are ringing your practice looking for an appointment. What is your best advice when a child is really not enjoying it? Because parents will often say, listen, if it's not working out, should I move schools? You know, what should I, you know, what is your advice if that happens? Well, my number, my, my number one piece of advice is never let your child stop going to school because once they're out, it is phenomenally difficult to get them back in. Yeah. So keep them going at all costs and work with them and work with the school. And you know what? If you do have to move them, you have to move them. That's all right. You will. But start by trying to work with the school to understand what's going wrong because school are really good if they know that there are friendship issues or they know that someone is unhappy at trying to buddy someone compassionate up with them or to put them in a in a better place in the classroom where they get more help or to monitor them more closely. But school can't do those things if it doesn't know it needs to. And actually so, teachers want children, you know, they want children to thrive. So if, if the parent's able to say, look, if, if he was sitting in a quieter part of the canteen, he'd be happier. Sometimes schools are happy to help, you know, facilitate a child's needs. Absolutely. I think schools are always happy to help facilitate needs. You know, there are some needs they can't facilitate, but the the, the more straightforward ones during that first term where people are wobbly, um, they're quite easy to facilitate. I also say to parents, look, it can take a year. I think kids aren't always settled until the beginning of year eight. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a great perspective, isn't it? Instead of expecting everything to be okay after a week, Steve. Yeah, it takes a little bit longer. It takes, it takes, you know, the, at the end of the first term, the kids are absolutely knackered. They're exhausted, mainly because it's such an effort to try and work out what's going on a lot of the time and who you like and who you don't, and then new subjects and then moving rooms. There are huge demands in this transition period. But then to work out who your friends are and to feel really established. Some, some children are really lucky and it happens within a term. Others, it really does take a year and it's the beginning of year eight when they go back feeling like they belong. And that's really, that's okay. That's not cause for concern at all. The unhappy child who's not settling, that's more of a cause for concern. And then that's when I say don't let them stop going to school, but work with the school. Keep the conversation open with school and with your child. And absolutely keep them in school. So, Steve, what did you want to say about the... I was was just going to say in the last couple of minutes, Anna, um, starting secondary school, the BBC Bite Size campaign, that's up and running right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's been up and running for two weeks now. And uh, there's material on there for parents and for pupils and teachers as well. There's material for all three. 
and there are it, it's very accessible so there are videos for everybody there are bullet points you can read there are some little tasks that you can do to practice the transition or to think about going forward for all three groups it's a really lovely resource and, and is the campaign fully active now or is there more material coming online uh, in, in it, different weeks it's it's fully active i think more will be added we, we've you know there's there's some more radio uh some more media some more discussions happening so more will be added but the, the vast bulk of it is active now because as we said earlier the more prepared people are the better the transition will be and i love the fact there's teacher content the bbc.com forward slash teach that is classroom content to start a discussion around starting school and that's been actually developed in partnership with the great charity um young minds so yep. you know that is a lovely collaborative effort to really look after children's mental health alongside settling them into school absolutely because parents difficulties are normal they don't the odd difficulty here and there does not mean there's a mental health concern that's the other thing i'd like to say okay i was just going to uh just finish off that that point sure. that, that um uh parents teachers and pupils can access this material uh, it's on the bbc website bbc.com slash starting secondary school all one word so it's bbc.com slash starting secondary school and there they can access all of the things that we've been talking about today lovely and actually there's lovely little bits and pieces written by you anna on that i think there's something coming up on cyberbullying as well yep that's coming so the thing is this is a resource parents can dip into throughout that first year isn't it? it's not something they need to read the entirety of the mm. summer but actually mm. just dip into it no absolutely and if, you, if parents have a, have a query suddenly one day you know that thing lying in bed going i wonder whether just pop on there and have a quick look lovely it's not arduous at all well we shall be uh signposting all of our listeners on our facebook page to those links this evening and in the meantime thank you so much dr anna Colton. and uh, we were really delighted to have had you on the show tonight and dr emma kell so thank you so much for joining us on the parent show bye anna Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, do you feel better equipped to send your son off to big school? I feel more aware of the things that I need to start thinking about, <laughs> which I didn't know two hours ago. So That's right. There's kind of like a shift in focus, isn't it? So we've only got one minute. Can you believe that, Steve, left it, on it the parent show the this hour evening? The hour has gone by so quickly. It has. So thank my you first so day at school, our, it seemed yeah, to go on for much, much That's <laughs> right. It goes so fast when you're enjoying yourself. So it thank is. you so much to Dr. Emma Kell and Dr. Anna Colton. And Steve and I are delighted to have had you listening this evening. Uh, next week on the parent show, I think we're talking about neonatal care which is uh, back to back to the very beginnings of infancy and the experiences of parents who are hoping to support their babies better so that'll be on the parent show next week i hope you all have an amazing rest of half term the sun is coming out in st albans this weekend so it's time to hit the beach hit the beach what do you think I the think nearest we'll, beach we'll get as far as the garden I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to train pipe. my boy to uh, mow the lawn and uh, oh yeah that's a great skill yeah. that is a very very good skill okay so thank you so much for listening all the very best all the very best from good us night. thank you so much good night <laughs>